This is 20 by 20, a podcast from Newcastle University's School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape, where we ask leading architects, urbanists, designers and thinkers to reflect on the ideas, inspirations and interests that shape their practice and their views on the present and future of architecture and cities. It's 20 questions in 20 minutes with me, Owen Hopkins. Can you tell us who you are, what you do, and where you're speaking from? Mm, uh, I'll start with the easy bit first. I'm uh, I'm in the studio in in London um, alone. Uh, everyone else is uh, atomized at the moment, um, and uh, I run a practice now called Sam Jacob Studio, uh, uh, and used to uh, co-run a studio with a far more ridiculous name, uh, Fat, um, for for. 20 odd years. Um, what do I do? Well, uh, that's in some ways it's a difficult question, in some ways it's an easy question. So I'd say I make architecture, but uh, that doesn't mean that I'm always involved in producing buildings. I mean, buildings come along maybe once every five, six, seven, eight, even longer uh, years uh, between them. But uh, between those moments, uh, there's all kinds of other forms of architecture, and that might be uh, writing, that might be drawing, that might be teaching, that might be clothing, that might be uh, installations, that might be curation, a whole range of things which are, which are not about the production of a building, but are certainly kind of always concerned with the idea of architecture in its broadest and most profound sense, I mean. <laughs> so what, I mean, I, I'm, I was going to ask you about that um, uh, specifically because you know your practice is very you know to use that terrible word it's very sort of multidisciplinary but what what is it that connects these these different disciplines these different sort of areas of activity other than the fact you kind of see architecture as, as this thing that connects them but how you know what sees you work in one particular discipline and, and not another I've always I've always thought you know architecture it's very easy to have an excuse that architecture is the production of buildings if you take that professional definition away then in reality, architecture is a very weak discipline. Like it does, it, it, it isn't really you know, anything in particular, um, which is of course, it's amazing strength because it's, it's, uh, it's everything, you know, it's the production of the world in, in a sense. And that uh, means it ranges from thinking about, you know, kind of materials or even how materials are produced to uh, meanings and uh, cultural significances it means uh, political dimensions, ideological dimensions. It means really kind of trying to understand or question or provoke ideas about really about how the world is is produced. And so I, I feel like my work is always somehow situated in that zone, you know, which is sort of asking questions about, you know, what is what is the world? And it takes and so therefore ex expression through whatever form of of, of of media or material or uh, kind of time duration, like it, from my side at least, it totally totally makes sense. It's always joined up. I mean. <laughs> is is this something that you think other architects should embrace this this approach, or 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 do we need architects who are just sort of focused on on buildings and you know designing bathrooms and and those kinds of things? Is is it is is, is it possible for everyone to kind of take this this kind of much broader approach? It's a difficult thing because it's not that we don't design bathrooms. We, we definitely do spend a lot of time like, you know, doing 
straightforward professional stuff in the studio, like looking over details, space planning, you know, uh, value engineering, all of those kinds of things which characterize uh, contemporary architectural office life. Um, uh, but I suppose it's always within the context of producing, for us at least, context of producing projects which have this kind of uh, like critical quality, you could say. Like, is it necessary for everyone to be involved in that? No, for sure not. And it's, I think it's very um, idiosyncratic, the, 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 the way that I work now. And that is probably more idiosyncratic now than it was 10 years ago because I've just been doing it for so, <laughs> for so long. Um, but I would, you know, I would hope that there is some self-reflection. You know, I, I would maybe ask, generally the profession to perhaps be a little bit more self-reflective and to, to ask some questions about why and not just how. Because um, I think that's, that is a useful, uh, it's a useful kind of check on what, what we're doing, like who are you working for? Why are you doing, what, you know, why, why are you doing it? Uh, what will that project bring into the world? Um, like, not that we need to be ideologically pure, but like just to get some sense of, like who we are and what we're working for, I think would, would be would be good. I, mean, I think that's really interesting because that in the 90s, you had this, I guess, overtly oppositional take on broader architectural culture that was almost for, for a while the sort of raison d'etre of, of, of what you're doing. Um, and at the same time, there's this sort of familiar tale in architecture of figures who have that kind of oppositional radical position early on who then kind of gradually get assimilated into the mainstream and end up being the establishment, you know, Rogers, Foster, Zaha, even, you know, Rem Coolhouse. It's kind of all, it's all happened to them in, in a way. How do you, how do you stop that happening <laughs> to yourself? Is, is it just sticking, sticking to what you were doing that um, early on and not actually flexing? In in part, yes, in part, because uh, yeah, I, I would say I have a very strong belief in this this kind of like like uh, staking out this position between, you could say, criticism, uh, cultural production, and professional production, and the os oscillation between those different positions. I think is a, is a is a very powerful place to be in some ways. Of course, it's a very weak position to be in other ways. Because um, yeah, all the people you mentioned, of course, they did go on to massive success but you know maybe my heroes have been perhaps the ones who didn't go on to massive success you know I was always a fan of uh, the David Green and Warren Chalk wing of Archigram rather than the, the Peter Cook side of things precisely because it sort of you know maybe it didn't go anywhere but did it have to go anywhere um, it asked so many interesting questions its sort of tone was not boosterish and positive it was much more much darker in a way so maybe it's like having having a different set of heroes like have which gives you a different sort of roadmap in a sense that the idea of success is not you know an office of, of 50 people and blue chip clients it's it's a different uh, a different register of like what makes a what makes a worthwhile you know activity i would say okay so uh, a slight uh, change attack for a, for a moment, because we're already well into the the twenty minutes. Sorry, sorry. Uh, you wrote you wrote the piece um, 
in uh, Art Review in April the, called The Great Indoors, which I think was, was quite widely read um, at the time, sort of reflecting on, I guess, the kind of functional psychological transformations of interior spaces um, during that moment of lockdown. And I just wanted to ask like, how you see things now, kind of looking back several months, perhaps with the second period of lockdown on the horizon, who knows what's going to happen? What does this sort of present perspective offer, offer now? I guess it's it's less dramatic, um, but maybe more frightening um, in in a different way. Uh, we're so so used to being being like this, um, and it seems so unlikely that we will we will get out of it soon. Um, so I think it's a much much uh, much more difficult situation to be in. I would say psychologically speaking, a lot of the things which we've you know which we've had to learn, which is you know how to how to work in this way, how to live in this way, how to you know have your kids and work happening simultaneously and all of that kind of all of that kind of stuff uh it's just so ingrained in how we're how we're how everyone's conducting themselves now the positives i would say is a kind of flattening of things like some forms of hierarchy everyone appears in their crappy little camera with their you know little domestic space behind them um and that some conversations have been much less, let's say, adversarial than they perhaps would have been. That kind of the polarization that professionalism brings is somehow diffused to some extent. Um, whether that's a benefit which is which is uh, which outweighs all of the negative scenarios, I don't know. So do you do you think? Because um, I, yeah, I mean, there are. I think there have been a number of sort of opportunities and upsides, sort of that that couldn't have really been been predicted. And that kind of flattening, I think, is is absolutely central to it. I mean, you know, a, a lot of um, you know, during the early periods of the pandemic and lockdown, there's a lot of stuff about coming out about how this was going to fundamentally change architecture and cities. A lot of it was very opportunistic sort of people using this moment of crisis to advance kind of very long held views or ideas. Um, do you do you think anything is is actually going to change for architecture and cities? Do you think that that what we're experiencing now is is going to be a sort of aberration? And as soon as it becomes possible, we will revert to, to the previous normal? Or do you think there are things that are going to be sort of lasting changes? Well, I mean, I guess the, the biggest question is like, what is the what is the political framework within which cities are produced? And um, so the question that then uh, I think uh, means, how will the political landscape reflect, you know, this, this period? Um, and uh, to be honest, I, you know, that, that doesn't seem really, really optimistic. <laughs> um, so a return to normal might not be the case, but a return to the principles, you know, and perhaps even, e you know, even uh, uh, kind of more accelerated. You know, the the, the speech that um, Boris Johnson gave yesterday about like uh, lots of things have to change, but it will be the private sector that will do it. Is a kind of you know that's kind of where we were. But even more, um, and if that's sort of translated into the production of the city, then you know that's 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 very uh, dark vision of of what we might be uh, uh, letting ourselves in for in the near future. Okay, so maybe maybe I'll I'll, I'll counter with the sort of perhaps uh, a, 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 some optimism. <laughs> I mean, we've already touched on it talking about the sort of the, the online sphere and, and the new kind of at least representations of power relations that exist there. 
Um, and I'm, I'm quite interested in the, the sort of utopian thinking that heralded the advent of the web in the early 90s and the idea then that the internet might kind of realize um, McLuhan's idea of the global village of us being kind of connected in real time via um, technology. Now, obviously, things uh, took a slightly different turn in the, the 90s with Microsoft and tech giants and all, all of that. Um, but I, I wonder, is, is this... Is, is there some possibility now that we might, you know, even if, if, if the physical sphere, the city looks quite dystopian potentially, are we in a position in contrast to that of possibly recapturing some of that original utopian spirit that, 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 that drove the early web or, or is that just being very naive? <laughs> it might be being naive, but it is also possible. I mean, in a different way. I mean, yeah. Uh, if you're, if you're as old as I am, you remember the, the World Wide Web before we knew what a web page was supposed to look like and uh, everything had to be hand-coded in HTML. Um, and the, the sort of sense of possibility was, was boundless. And yeah, the kind of rhetorics around, around um, ideas of freedom and identity were, were, were amazing. Yeah, um, that's, not, that's definitely not where we are now, but yeah, I've definitely experienced you know connections and discussions which would not have happened without uh the, the kind of technological possibility we have now like you know in the first two months of lockdown i did a thing called desktop design academy which was a you know entirely informal thing with people just like seeing it on instagram and uh, responding to briefs and having a discussion every week and that was really that was such a nice thing to to do and totally enabled by using different uh, like social platforms, but but also Zoom and so on. So yeah, those are definitely discussions that could not have happened in any other any other way, and were really were really refreshing and really fun. Do you have anything like that up your sleeve for the future, or you... <laughs> was that was that a response to that moment of things happening very fast that that characterised that period in March? It was. It was a it was a kind of immediate response to everyone being locked up. Um, but it was a, it was something that I'd have I'd found on an old old bit of website which I'd written in those optimistic days of the of the internet. I mean, so uh, I yeah, sort of accidentally came across it and then thought, well, maybe I could revive it. Well, it, it never happened before. It was a kind of you know pie in the sky idea, but um, and it was just, maybe it's just so much easier to do something like that um, uh, with the technology we have we have now. So maybe, who knows, who knows? There's always, always, always time to invent uh, new ways of uh, discussing. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what about new ways of, of you know, creating? Because one of the things that I've seen you write about and heard you talk about is the, the particular tools that you used in, in those sort of early days. Photoshop, particularly, I think you have, there's a, you hold a place in your heart for Macromedia freehand. I do, um, I do. Uh, and, and how those particular tools shaped what you were doing then and how the new tools that we have available, which are not just software packages, they're obviously now platforms, <laughs> what, what, what they offer, what they potentially unlock, um, what they potentially make more difficult, perhaps. It's funny, I'm just writing a, writing a piece at the moment um, and I'm just in the middle of a section which is about like ways of building and like, but how ways of building are not just practical solutions of so making a brick wall or making a you know, timber frame structure 
or making a, in this case a CLT uh, uh, structure have like embedded within them like certain kinds of uh, ways of making obviously but certain kinds of technology but also certain kinds of ideas you know like even moralities or or, or kind of ideologies you could say so I'm always interested in the way in which the way that the, the technologies which you might be using to produce work whether that's something really primitive like you know um, uh, knitting or you know kind of you know, an old old form of technology or whether it's something which is let's say, on a more kind of cutting edge, like photogrammetry, 3D scanning type, type stuff, how we can use those or how they kind of fold into the way in which you make, uh, you can make stuff. So uh, I would say that's the sort of the trace, first of all, the trace that technology leaves on the work, whether that's something you know, as obvious as resolution, like a low res, a re, a, what does it mean for, for an object to be low resolution in the same way that an image is, can be low res, resolution? But in sort of more fundamental ways, how how it allows us to engage with the world. Like for me, part of the way we engage with the world as as designers and architects is is through that like that visceral physical thing, tools, materials, and how we manipulate them. And so the the use or misuse of different forms of technology, I think. Uh, uh, is, is fundamental and recognizing how each of those different ways of working kind of transforms the way in which you see the world and therefore how you can make the world. Um, I just, that's, that's like, that's my thing. I just really, I just really like doing that. So that might, that doesn't necessarily mean something new and it doesn't necessarily mean something advanced. You know, it can be as, as basic as a, as an old uh, computer program from the 1990s or, a technique you know that's sort of been with humanity for for thousands of years but it's yeah sort of the recognition that these things are far more than just practical ways of creating something they also embody um kind of cultural ideas too okay so we're, we're now very near the end so i've got some quick questions sort of one word answer uh, okay. to kind of rattle through to get up to our 20. And some of some of this we've already touched on, but is architecture a science or an art, or is it something else? It is a form of uh, cultural criticism. Modernism or postmodernism? I never really understood the difference between them. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. Um, city or countryside? City. Mac or PC? Well, uh, it always Mac, but I wish it was PC. Yeah. Okay. Uh, London or Chicago? London. And again, we've touched on this already, but uh, are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future? Well, despite everything I said before, I'm always optimistic. Okay, good. <laughs> and finally, because a lot of our listeners will be students, if there is one bit of advice you would give to an aspiring architect, uh, what would it be? My one bit of advice would be, there are many ways in which to produce architecture. Almost the most important job you have as a designer is to first of all design yourself what a great place to end okay sam thank you uh, ever so much it's been really great to have you and um, hopefully we can do this again pleasure thank you owen You've been listening to 20 by 20, a podcast from Newcastle University's School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape. Stay tuned for more episodes, write a review or give us a rating 
and be sure to follow us on your preferred podcast platform.